Good morning. I want to welcome everyone who is joining us by Facebook today. Uh, maybe uh, you're joining us through the sermonaudio.com website, theinspiringword.org. Uh, in either case, welcome. We're going to open God's Word this morning back into the book of Mark, chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. Before we do, though, we want to, uh, we want to say a, a prayer. We want to remember all of those out there who are struggling today. We want to remember all they in the Midwest who are still trying to recover from the major winter storms uh, from the Mexico-Texas border all the way up to the, um, uh, uh, the Minnesota-Wisconsin-Canada border. Uh, even in this area, we've had some bad weather from all of it. There's been a lot going on. A lot of people have dealt with a lot of problems uh, in a lot of areas. That's going to be a lot of what we're focusing on today in our message. Not because of any particular plan, but this is just the way God has worked it out. And it's going to be amazing. I believe you're really going to be blessed by it today. Uh, also, we want to take an opportunity to uh, wish... Uh, Allison and JT, uh, the very best in their future together. We were not able to be with you in the message last week because we were attending their wedding. It was out of town, we had to travel. But we do want to wish them the very best as they begin their life together as well. So for all of you who have prayer requests, all of you who have something that's burdening your heart today, let it be known. You don't have to give details. Just let it be known. Pray for me. And as we pray and as we open with prayer, we will see that you're lifted up to the throne of grace. God will hear you. And God will acknowledge you. You have to believe that. There isn't a lot today that we can have faith in and that we can really believe in. But God is one we can always believe in, and we can always trust. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get into the scripture of our message. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given. Thank you for the beauty of the sunshine. Heavenly Father, thank you for all of the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, you've given us things that we're not even aware of. I want to thank you for everything. I want to thank you for everyone, each person who is watching by Facebook, each person who is going to be watching or listening through the inspiringword.org and sermonaudio.com. Lord, I want to thank you for your message, for the Word of God. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint it. I pray that you would anoint it to go out and to accomplish that which you have purposed that it would not return to you void. And Lord, also I want to lift up everyone who has a prayer request today. Everyone who is burdened. Everyone who is struggling. Everyone who is who, who seems to be wrapped up in fear. Fear of something. Fear of someone. Fear of the unknown. Lord, we know that 
your truth, and we know that you're faithful. Lord, I'm just calling on that today on behalf of all who are within earshot. Heavenly Father, I know you're good and you're true and you're faithful to honor that which is given to you. But we drop all of these troubles, all of these burdens, all of these requests at the throne of grace today, knowing, knowing that you're going to answer. Be with the message this morning. Be with the words that are going to be preached. Anoint them that they will accomplish what you want accomplished. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading with verse 35. Now, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee still. If you've been following us, we have been we have been several messages into the activities of what was going on as he preached by the seaside. Well, at this point, Jesus is going to get into a boat, and he's going to start heading across to the other side. Here's what God's word has to say. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he were in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm and wind, and the waves beat on the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awakened, and they say unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, we see that they're crossing the Sea of Galilee after teaching for the multitudes of the people, and Jesus being physically exhausted from his work, he went into the back of the ship, and he laid down, and he was going to rest. And the disciples were piloting the ship, and they were going about the work that was needed. And a terrible storm came up. Now picture this. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains. And this makes it real vulnerable for, for violent and sudden storms, because the high altitude of the mountains has cold air as a top that comes down, and then there is hot, moist air that, that comes in from, uh, from the Mediterranean and comes across the desert. And when those two mix, it mixes and makes a very violent storm. But I want us to not only understand the weather part of this and the meteorology of it, if you will, but I want us to take a look at some of the words of Jesus. Some of the words that he used 
to calm that storm. Jesus said, peace be still. And it literally means to be silent, be muzzled, and remain so. So it doesn't mean just be quiet for a short time. It means sit down, shut up, and stay that way. When Jesus says, peace be still, that is what he is saying and what he is meaning. This very phrase was often used by Christ when he was going to speak to and silence demonic forces. So it's possible that the storm there could have been an attack by Satan in order to try to kill Jesus. And then at any rate, regardless of whether the storm was there from a satanic perspective, whether it was there as a teaching perspective, whether it was there as a meteorological perspective, it doesn't matter. The storm was there and they were caught in it. And the waves were so violent that they were filling up the boat with water. And it made for a frightening situation for the disciples. But should it? Should it have been so frightening for them? After all, they had the Son of God with them. Some more of Jesus' words. When he calms the storm, he turns to these men and he calls out their lack of faith. He calls them fearful in verse 40. He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Jesus is calling them out. Fearful. Fearful means timid. Afraid to the point of giving up. So he was asking his disciples, Why were you giving up? So what does that tell us? They did not really understand who Jesus was. They knew him by name. They saw the miracles. They witnessed all of the amazing teaching. Uh, they, they were seeing all of this but they were still really not sure. They didn't understand who he was. There are a lot of you today who know about Jesus, but you really don't understand who he is. There are a lot of you today who are looking around you fearfully, ready to give up. And you're seeing what Jesus is doing in the lives of others. And you fear him, asking what manner of man is this? Well, when we get into the message today, I want to bring out to you a few simple and clear truths that may help you put the feared of verse 41 first in your life so that you don't have to experience the fearful of verse 40. You see, that's what Jesus was asking when he asked them, 
ye have no faith. Is it, how is it that you have no faith? Why have you not feared me in order to avoid being fearful? I hope you've got a good picture of where we're going. Because three simple truths from this passage may help you go a long way in your walk with the Lord and your understanding of who Jesus is and your understanding of the role that he plays in your life. First, we should remember the storm. And we should not only remember the storm, but we should remember who creates and permits the storm. In it, we find the power in creating storms. Yes, it is true that Satan could have possibly been behind the storm. But it is also true that this storm could have been a product of nature. But behind either one of these is the truth. That God is the one who is sovereign. When the storms of life beat on us, regardless of their origins, regardless of whether they come from the devil, regardless of whether they come from nature, regardless of whether they are sent by God, they are allowed by God in our life in order to teach, to tell, to instruct, to guide, to help you and I through some circumstances that we are dealing with. In Psalms 107, 23-32, the psalmist describes a very similar circumstance. It's to the one experienced by the, by the disciples. The result is praise and worship of the Lord. When Jesus says they feared exceedingly, it is a statement of awesome adoration. They praised the Lord. They worshipped the Lord. They didn't shiver and quiver. They looked upon Him in awe. And they looked upon him in excitement. And they looked upon him in wonder. They worshipped him. In Isaiah 45 verse 7. I formed the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I the Lord do all these things. Whatever it is that comes our way in life. We can bet that it is created by and allowed by the Lord himself. When we are looking at the storms of life, whether they're weather storms, whether they are financial storms, whether they are any of the many other types of storms that are created and that are dealing with in life, whether it is the storms of family problems, whether it is the storms of uncertainty, of health, or whatever it may be, they are allowed in our life because God puts them there for a purpose. Now that doesn't make them any easier to deal with. The fact that 
God put a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and the wind and the waves were crashing into the boat. Even if the disciples had realized and had feared the Lord Jesus Christ and had total faith in him getting them there, it would not have made the ride any easier. It would not have made the bumps any smoother. It would not have made the water any softer coming into the boat. But still, it would have given them a feeling of strength, a feeling of knowing that they had it overcome regardless of the outcome, regardless of their physical outcome. They were overcoming this storm. Friend, I want you to know today, whatever storm it is you're going through in life, you can and you will overcome it if you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. That's something that you have to know. I can't tell you whether you're saved. No other person on the face of the earth can tell you whether you're saved. That is a personal relationship between you and Jesus Christ. If you have been called to salvation, if you have bowed before the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have asked Him into your heart and into your life, if you have confessed your sins to Him, and you know and you had that opportunity of knowing that He came into your heart and life, then you have got that feared of verse 41. awesomeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And understand that the storms that come, they are sent from eternity. They're sent to bring you closer to the Lord. To inspire you. To take you more faithfully into his work and into his will. But friend, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you're missing it. Not only do you have to live fearfully, as in verse 40, you have no way of looking upon Jesus and looking upon him in a manner of fear and awesome and reverence. You can be as religious as you want to be. You can be as well versed in scripture as you want to be. You can quote it. You can write about it. You can discuss it. You can debate it. You can do anything you want with it. But if you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have nothing to look forward to but living a life fearfully. That's sad. Why? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to stay in that spot today? There is pleasure in sin for a season. But then there is judgment. 
Not from me. Not from any other man. But from God. And some of you watching and listening to this may say, I don't believe in God. That's your first mistake. You have been led into a road, into a road of intellectual foolishness. God is your creator. It is God who puts the breath in your body. It is God that puts the strength in your step. It is God that blesses you abundantly with everything that you have. It is God that sent Jesus Christ to save your soul. It is God whom will pass judgment upon you for your rejecting of Jesus. Jesus does not send anyone to hell. God sends only those to hell who reject Jesus. Jesus doesn't reject anyone. All who are called to come to him, and all who believe in him will be saved. But you will be saved per God's conditions. Not yours. We have a philosophy going around today that well, I'll get saved, but I'll do it on my terms, and I'll meet God in the middle and compromise this thing out. No, you won't, because God doesn't negotiate. Here, here is God's Word. It is written in black and white. It is written for you to read. It is written for you to have your own copy of. It is written so that you will not be able to stand before God in judgment and say, I never knew. That's a very sad place to be. It's very sad to go through the storms of life. And the purpose of those storms in life are twofold. They are to bring the unsaved to Christ. And they are to bring the saved closer to Christ. All of you listening today fall into one of those categories. Either the storms of life are trying to bring you to Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or the storms of life are trying to bring you closer to Jesus in your walk with him. Not closer according to the way you see him. Not closer according to the way that you think about him or feeling about him. Closer according to the way that he is directing and guiding through his word. Closer according to the moving of the Holy Spirit and its work in your life. Closer in your worship. Closer in your faithfulness. Closer in your commitment. We seem to be committed today to a great deal of things in this world. Some of us are committed to our financial success. Committed to the stock markets. 
Some of us are committed to sports, sports figures. Some of us are committed to politics. Some of us are committed to countless other things in life. But where is our commitment to the Lord? And I'm speaking a lot to the church right now. Where is our commitment to the Lord? The purpose of the storms we have are to bring us closer. Yes, there are storms raging in this country, not just not just weather storms, but there are political storms and there are uh, social storms and there are all kinds of things that are raging in this country today. But those storms are raging for a purpose in your life. Are you going to let that purpose go untouched? When we are considering that, we find peace inside of these storms. When we find Jesus and we truly get a hold of him, we find peace. The storms steal down inside of our lives. It doesn't mean they will never come again. It doesn't mean we will never have an issue with a storm again in our life. But we will have peace. We will have peace in knowing that God is in control. God is moving these things around in order to satisfy his own will and his own work. When Jesus said, peace be still, it was just like he, he, he quietened and calmed the demonic forces. Wouldn't you like wouldn't you like to know that when all of this fearful work and violence and all of the unsettling things around us in this world stir themselves up that you can have a personal peace inside of your life of knowing that God is in control? That comes through Jesus. That comes through that personal relationship with Him. That trust. That awesome experience of having Him in your life and having Him so close. So close that whatever the world throws in you is going to be irrelevant. Because you have Jesus in the middle of the storm. Not only do we know who creates the storm, but we know who controls the storm. When Jesus said in verse 35, let us pass over to the other side, what hope that should have sparked in the hearts of the disciples? Jesus already told them they were going to the other side. They were going to make it on the other side. He did not say, let's try to get there. 
Jesus didn't say, let's get started and see how long it takes or if we can or, or, or whatever. He said no. He said, let's pass over unto the other side. He had already told them in the opening sentence they were going to make it. What more of a promise did they need? Regardless of what storm came up. Jesus says to those who believe him that he brings life and he brings it more abundantly. Jesus says those he holds in his hand, no one can pluck them out. What more of a promise do you want today from the Lord Jesus Christ? Those of us who know him as Lord and Savior have his promise that we are his and that we are going to make it to the other side. If nothing else out of this message gives you anything to shout and praise God about this morning, that one sentence right there should. There are folks today who are struggling with COVID, who are struggling with cancer, who are struggling with heart disease, who are struggling with all manners of troubles and difficulties. Jesus says to those who know him and who are his disciple, let's pass over to the other side. There is a promise there that the child of God will make it to the other side. This earth, this miserable earth, is not our home. It's the other side. And going from where we are across the sea of life to the other side, there are storms to pass through. So how are we going to react to them? We have his words to give us encouragement, we have his works also. He, he arose and he rebuked. He arose and he rebuked the winds. When Jesus is traveling the storms of life with you and I, and when we wind up in a fearful condition, and we call upon the Lord to come help us. He will rebuke those winds. He will rebuke those storms. Think about that. Now am I telling every sick person that they're going to be miraculously healed? No, I'm not. Am I telling you that all of your family problems are going to just go away and vanish and everything is going to be wonderful and beautiful? No, I'm not. When Jesus called away the storm, the water that had got in the boat was still in the boat. 
the damage that was caused to the boat was still there. But the boat was still floating. The storm was gone, and there was smooth sailing for that point in time in the journey. That's what I'm telling you about the storms that we face in our life as we cross the sea of life going to the other side. Jesus, when we call on him, he will rebuke those storms. But now he's going to do that work according to his will. Notice with me in verse 35, he saith unto them. It was the Lord's idea to get in the ship. And in Matthew chapter 8 verse 18, a parallel verse to this says he gave commandment. Often when we sail into a storm, our first thought is that we must be out of the Lord's will. I've done something against God. God's mad at me and he sent this to punish me. Well, I want you to know that it's always a good idea to check up. It's always a good idea to go to the Lord and to, and to review your life and your decisions and find out is if there's something in your life that has caused this storm. But understand this, sometimes God puts a storm in our life for his purpose. Think of Job. Job was a righteous man in God's eyes. Yet Satan came to God and told God, I can make him cuss you or curse you. God said, you can't. So then the journey of Job began. God allowed things in Job's life just as a test of faith to prove that he would not back down or curse God. Sometimes God may, may allow things in your life in order for you to become a stronger witness and testimony to Jesus Christ so that other people will see and other people will be influenced to come to Jesus. Other people will have a reason to think about and come to Jesus and listen to the preaching and the teaching of Christ. Oftentimes, God is not above allowing us to go through some kind of a storm in order to help, in order to be the witness, in order to follow the Great Commission. We think of the Great Commission as words that we say, but it is also the life that we live, whether it is inside a storm or outside of a storm. Our words have to be backed up by our action, and sometimes it is possible for God to put us in a spot where those actions are going to be a testimony, a testimony to His greatness, a testimony to who He is, a testimony to what He can do, and our words are going to have to push that testimony forward. When you're thinking about the storm, think about who controls that storm in your life, and think about why it's being controlled, and think about what God's will in it may be. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful experience to suffer a storm for the glory of God. 
so that he could be lifted. I think of the Apostle Paul and his affliction in the flesh. Wherever it may have been. And I'm not, there's a lot of debate about that. And, and really, when it, when it comes down to the rubber meeting the road, what difference does it make what it was? The fact is that it was there. It was a storm in Paul's life. And Paul prayed that it would be moved. Well, Jesus calmed it to the point of telling Paul, my grace is sufficient. The waves kept coming. The wind kept blowing. feared the Lord. And he weathered the storm. When we learn to fear the Lord, as it's given in verse 41, we can too weather the storm. Well, finally, we need to remember exactly who calms that storm. It is calmed by rebuke. The disciples, they tried rowing through it. They tried worrying through it. They tried crying through it. But nothing they did had any effect whatsoever. And then Jesus said three simple words, Peace be still. They solved the problem instantly. Just remember as your boat is battered, as it is threatened by the storms of life, and the winds howl around you, and the darkness settles in on you, you serve a God who is able to speak those words into your life, and settle your life, and turn those problems into a reverent worship experience. Maybe you just need to do what they did. Maybe you just need to give up and stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to row against those waves. Stop trying to bail that water out of the boat. And maybe you just need to cry out to the Lord. After all, isn't that what He wants you and I to do today? He wants you and I to cry out to Him and to reach out to Him so that He can say, Peace be still into our lives, into what we're dealing with and what we're working with. Jesus wants to do that in your life today. He wants to do it first through salvation. He wants to do it first by you calling upon Him to be saved and to come into your heart and come into your life. And next, Christian, He wants to do that by putting you in a situation where you're getting closer and closer to Him. Hey, this whole world we're living in is coming unraveled faster than a cheap sweater. And we're trying to hang on to it and we're trying to put it all back together again ourselves. When are we going to let loose of the ends and we're just going to cry out to God and say, it's your world, it's your creation, it's your storm. I'm just trying to weather through it. I need you to say into my life, Lord, peace be still. When are we going to get it, church? When are we going to get it? We can't rebuke any of this stuff. 
Only God can. And then there's response. The response of the storm is the wind ceased. That little phrase, the wind ceased, describes a situation where one second there was a terrifying event taking place. And the next, there was absolute calm. And peace. And silence and wonder and everybody went Whew. and they were so thankful of the response that the Lord gave how long has it been since you truly cried out to God for a storm that because of a storm in your life and God answered and calmed that storm. And then you got up and you walked away without even saying thank you. These feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey? That was their relief. They feared the Lord. Today, the church has often lost its fear of the Lord. The, when I say the church, I'm not talking about a particular building. I'm not talking about a particular denomination. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the saints of God, the saved. We have lost the fear of the Lord. We want Him to move, but we don't want to give Him credit. We may be afraid of a social impact or... They're going to call us religious nuts or bigots or whatever they may decide to do at the time. Hey, call me whatever you want to call me. But when God moves in my life and when God gives me something to praise Him for, I'm giving Him all the glory for it. November 2019, I had a storm enter my life. I had a stroke that day. And I still deal with the effects of that stroke, of that storm, every day of my life. But you know what? God said to that storm, peace be still. And today I'm able to stand and I'm able to preach. I'm able to speak. I'm able to get up and I'm able to go to work. Not because of what science has done. Bless God, doctors have been wonderful through all of this. But do you know what they say? And they've all said the same. There's nothing we can do but wait and see what happens with the area of your brain that was damaged and see if it 
rewires and repairs itself. But you know what God done? God still gives me strength in these two legs to walk. God still gives me strength in these two arms to move them and work. God still allows me to see and read His Word. God still allows my speech so that I can preach and I can tell people about Jesus. Hey, even though that storm is there and those remnants are still raging, I have fear for Him. And I can say, what manner of man is this? That even the smallest parts of the brain that man know nothing about, Listen to him. When was the last storm that God brought you through? And did you give him credit? Did you fear him for it? Friend, the storms and the parable of the storm, the story of it, the narrative of it, however you want to call it, it all comes down to one thing. It comes down to those people who know the Lord have someone to call upon when life becomes fearful. And as life becomes fearful and we call upon the Lord and He answers, our fear of Him becomes exceedingly great. And we should be asking what manner of person is this that can do these wonderful things? Friend, if you're not saved, today is your day. Today is your opportunity. Reach out to Jesus and ask Him to come into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Ask Him to save yourself. Christians, start looking back to God and only God because it is He that controls the storm. It is He that has a will for the storm. It is He that can calm it and it is He that can bring you to a fearful relationship with Him. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the words You've given. Thank You for the text You've provided. And Lord, I pray for all those that are watching today. I pray for all of those that hear and see this message. Lord, I pray that you would save souls. I pray that you would revive the saints. Heavenly Father, as we go through the storms of this life and this sea that we are in today, Lord, I pray that you would reach down. I pray that you would calm them inside of our lives. And I pray that we would reach out to you in exceeding gratefulness and fearfulness and draw closer to you in your majesty and in your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us. It's been a wonderful service. It's been a wonderful word from God. I trust you have been blessed by it. And join us next broadcast. We'll continue in God's word. We'll continue to be blessed. Until then, God bless you is my prayer.